years ago um, at a youth camp, I heard a young lady sing a song that I've thought about many times over the years. I can't remember all the words, but the gist of the song was this. If Jesus Christ himself was walking on this earth today, if he were in my town, if he came into this very room, would I recognize him? Would I know that God himself, the Savior, was right here in my midst, or would I miss him? Now, the truth is, we know from God's word, when Jesus comes back again one day, there will be no mistaking that he's come. He will clearly be presented, as the choir saying, as King of kings and Lord of lords. There'll be no doubting about that. But the point of the song is something to consider, isn't it? Do I know God well enough that if he came into my world, I would recognize who he is? And since he's not coming back secretly like that one day, we might ask it this way. Do I know God well enough that if he were working in this world, right among where I live, right now, and by the way, he is, would I recognize his work? Would I be a part of that work? Would I see it and not miss it and miss out on being a partner with him and what he was doing? Well, this week, our country and many people throughout the world are celebrating a time when we remember that Jesus Christ came into this world. He died upon the cross for my sins and for your sins and for all the sins of the whole world. He was buried and he rose again. It's a time when many people are going to go to church. It's a time when many people are going to think about spiritual matters. However, there's a concern that I have that I talked about already about my own life, but also as a pastor for others. That yes, we might be in church during this Easter season, but will we still miss hearing from God? Will we still miss understanding that God is working right here in our midst. Well, today I want us to look at an episode in the life of Christ when he was here in the final days here upon this earth as he walked in human flesh. And we're going to see that some of the people that were right there with him were in danger of missing out on the most significant event in all of history. And I want us to be challenged today by asking this question, are you missing what God is doing. Are you missing what God is doing? We're going to look at Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Could God be doing something significant right now in your life? You didn't even know that on April the 9th, 2000, we scheduled a Bible study. You didn't even know that the seeds were planted for what we're doing here today. You didn't know that something significant had happened on this day. Is it possible that April the 9th, 2006 is a significant day for you and that years from now you're going to look back and find out that's when God did it. That's when God did this particular work in my life. Is it possible that God's wanting to do something right now in your midst and will you even notice well let's look at that today as we think about first of all in verses 36 through 39 god is at work all around us in verse 36 it says this then jesus came with them came with the disciples to a place called gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while i go over there and pray and he took with him peter and the two sons of zebedee which would be james and john and he began to be grieved and distressed then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. God is at work all around us. You know, there are a lot of people that wonder, is God really active in our world? 
Or did God, like many philosophers have thought, or many educated people who like to sit around and think about all those kind of things and, 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 and philosophize about things, people have said, you know, I believe that God just wound this world up, He wound the creation up, and now He's just kind of like a clock letting it run itself down. Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 5, verse 17, that Jesus said, My Father is always at His work. And Jesus, God never shows up late for work. He's always at his work to this very day. Acts chapter 17 verse 28 also says that it is in him that we live and that we move and that we have our very being, our very existence. The Bible's very clear that God is at work in this world. God is at work in our lives. Nothing makes that more clear than the fact that he came into our world. Isn't that what the choir just sang? Matthew 1.23 says he is Emmanuel. What does that mean? It means God with us. God came in the flesh. God left heaven. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven to come into our messed up world. How much more would God have to say, I care for you and I'm actively involved in the affairs and the events of your lives? John chapter 1 verse 14 says he dwelt among us. Some of you like to go camping. That word means he pitched his tent. <laughs> he just kind of came here for a little while and he pitched his tent among us. He came right here with us and revealed himself to us. Can you imagine all the things that the disciples must have experienced? We have much of that recorded in the New Testament and even John 21 tells us as you couldn't write down all the things that Jesus did. They experienced so much that all the books in all the world could not contain all the wonderful things that Christ did. And yet here in these verses in Matthew, he is doing his greatest work ever. And his disciples are going to have the opportunity to be right there, front and center, on the front row while he's doing it. It says he took them to Gethsemane. That word Gethsemane, it just means the oil press. From the descriptions that we have in the Gospels, we get the impression that it was likely a garden and a garden that had a wall around it, and it was a garden that probably contained a grove of olive trees. John chapter 18 tells us that it was a place that Jesus particularly liked to go with his disciples. So that for those of you that like to garden, there's good news. God likes gardening too. And he used to like to go hang out in the garden. Kind of sounds like Genesis 1, doesn't it? Then he gave them some instructions when, the, when, when they went there. It says he told the disciples in verse 36, I want you to sit here. Sit where? Probably at the gate, probably at the edge of the wall. And though we don't see it here in Matthew, Luke chapter 22 tells us that he wanted all of them to be in a spirit of prayer. Then the Bible tells us here in Matthew that he took the inner three, as they're sometimes called, Peter, James, and John, kind of his inner circle of, of, of primary disciples there. He took them a little further. And we definitely get the intention for those guys that God intended, Jesus intended for them to watch and to pray. And Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John a little further. Then he went, the Bible says in Luke 22, a stone's throw further. He went about 30 to 50 yards out ahead of them. But before he goes on ahead of Peter, James, and John, the Bible says he begins to be grieved in verse 37. He begins to be distressed. Now that word distressed is one of the strongest Greek words related to depression. The Bible is saying that Jesus was at an extreme level of distress, of grief in his heart, in his soul. Then it says, he said to them in verse 38, my soul is deeply grieved. That's a kind of a, a word that goes beyond. It says he was grieved. Now he's deeply grieved. That means to be surrounded by grief. And it was so bad that it brought him to the point of death. Have you ever hurt so bad that you thought you were going to die? 
Have you ever had such pain in your heart that it just kind of gripped you inside? The Bible says that's what Jesus was going through. Why? Because Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 13 says, Your eyes are too pure to look at evil. Jesus was too holy, too pure to have evil, to deal with sin. And yet, as unbearable as it was, he was willing to do that. The sinless Son of God was beginning, don't miss this, was beginning to sense the weight of our sins, all of our sins, placed upon himself. I never really uh, got the picture of this until a couple of years ago, and I, I began to think about it. Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. He paid the price for mine, and he paid the price for yours. Many of you know that uh, last week I had to go to a funeral where my uncle had gotten killed. Someone had killed my uncle. And, and I remember when my family called to wake me up in the middle of the night, my stomach was just in knots, and it was tight, and my chest hurt. And I was just thinking, this is not right. And, and I was upset about it, and I wished that it hadn't happened. And my heart was broken for my family. Here I am going through all this, and Jesus paid for that. He gave his life for every single pain, every single failure, every single mistake, every single sin that I committed, and every single sin that would affect my life. And by the way, he did that for all of yours as well. Can you imagine? People say, I, I can't walk with God. He just doesn't understand. <laughs> well, we'll take yours. And listen, when I say he took yours, I'm not talking in a symbolic way. He felt something similar to your pain. The Bible says he took upon himself my sins. He took upon himself my struggles, my failures, my weaknesses, my hurt, my pain. Whatever you are facing right now in your life, Jesus bore that. And mine, and the person next to you, and all the billions of people that have lived upon the face of planet Earth. Can you imagine how unbearable that must have been. In fact, it brought him to the point, Luke chapter 22 says he was sweating drops of blood. It was intense what was going on with Christ right here. And as the cross draws near, it's not the physical pain that scared him. It's not that he worried he couldn't handle the paying that unbelievable price. But in a very real way, he was beginning to sense the separation from the Father that he was about to experience as he became, the Bible says, he became sin for us. I can't imagine what Jesus must have went through. And as he's going through that, he asks the disciples, he gives them two commands. He says, stay here and keep watching. Well, isn't that kind of a, a light thing to ask somebody? Hey, I'm going to bear the sins of the world. Could you just hang out right here for a minute? Ever ask your kids to sit tight for you while you go do something? Could you just hang out here for a minute? And could you just kind of keep watch? Not a very big thing to ask when you're taking upon yourself the sins of the world. Keep watching for what, Jesus? Was he saying in a physical sense, watch out for danger, there's people coming? Well, certainly he knew that there were people coming. He wasn't afraid of the danger. No one took his life away. He laid down his life. He was telling his disciples, he was trying to teach them about, about uh, standing and about praying and about being careful. He says later he's going to say to them, watch and pray. Then the Bible says he goes on a little further and he falls on his face and he prays his prayer. He says, my father, if it is possible, we're beginning to see him go through that intense struggle. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, there's nothing worse than for me to be separated from you. I wish there were some other way, but I know that there is not. 
the process that God had planned from eternity past, God's plan of taking upon himself the punishment for our sins was beginning to unfold. Jesus was about to pay the price for my sins and your sins and everyone that's ever been committed. More than any other event in human history, the cross that Jesus bore tells us that God is at work in this world. God does care, my friend. The cross is the proof that God has come and he's done something about our greatest problem. And not in a generic and personal kind of way. The cross says that we are the most important ones to him. That was the work that he came to accomplish. By the way, as we come upon Easter week this week, don't let it just be another holiday. Don't let it just be another week off for you. Don't let it be just another change in your schedule or maybe even a temporary change in your behavior. Remember what it reminds us of. Jesus actually gave his life for you. You know, I think sometimes because we're separated by the years, that can kind of get diluted, can it? Oh yeah, Jesus gave his life for me 2,000 years ago. Well, it's hard for us to see the blood that was shed. It's hard for us to see the long, dusty road that he walked. It's hard for us to imagine the cross that he actually bore. But let me ask you, let me just put it this way. What if it had happened yesterday? Would it be a little more real? If somebody had just died for you publicly humiliated yesterday, would that be fresh in your mind? If it had just been a few days ago. Unfortunately for us, because it happened so long ago, sometimes it loses its impact. But in the midst of God demonstrating more than any other way possible to us and to his disciples that he truly does care, his disciples didn't have a clue. They were missing it, and that's what we want to see next. Not only is God at work all around us, but number two, we do not always notice God's work, do we? Verses 40 through 44. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Have you ever been going through something in your life so life-changing so heartbreaking, worse than anything else you've ever faced in your life, but no one, even those people that were closest to you, seemed to care, seemed to be paying attention. Here, God is working in these verses, and He's doing His most significant work ever in the history of this world. Yet when He came back from praying about that the first time, He found them sleeping. And in all, he goes away three times, and each time he comes back, he, each time he's praying, Father, if there's any other way, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And each time he comes back to find them sleeping. Now, for all of us super spiritual people, we can't believe that, right? We can't believe that disciples would have the gall to go to sleep at this critical, opportune moment. But let's be fair to the disciples. This appears to be at night, and it appears to be late at night. I don't know how many of you like me, but I'm what some people call solar-powered. When the sun goes down, it's time to rest. We're not going out. It's time to chill, to, to get ready to go to bed. I'm, I'm uh, you know, what's the guy's name? Uh, Mr. Ingalls on uh, Little House on the Prairie. When the sun goes down, it's time to turn the candles out and go to bed. Not only that, but Jesus had shared with them some very troubling things that day. And in verse 40, wouldn't you know... I mean, when you go hang out with God, when Jesus is praying, he's going to pray for an hour. 
He says, couldn't you wait for an hour? And I'd be going, yeah, you know, we were waiting. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, oh yeah, you know, Jesus is going to pray for an hour. They were tired. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every way. Have you ever had somebody ask you to do a favor for them when you were tired? It's hard to get motivated, isn't it? It doesn't matter how much you care about I mean, I'm telling you, at night, I'm just wiped. It's hard for me to get motivated about something. Unless God does it in my life. It's hard to pay real good attention, isn't it? Okay, we've been nice to them. But on the other hand, Jesus had been leading them up to this. He had been trying to get their attention. He had been trying to get them to see that things were going to begin unfolding pretty soon, and he was about to do the primary work that he had come to do. This wasn't, boys, just going to be any old night. Can you imagine? It'd be like you're on death row, and your family comes to see you for your last visit, and they say, oh, look at the time. It's 9 o'clock. We've got to get back to the hotel. Hello? I'm not going to be around tomorrow. I won't see you tomorrow. Couldn't you stay up a few more hours? Couldn't you kind of hang out a little while longer? Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus didn't need the disciples. But I believe he was trying to teach them. They had not yet learned to perk up when God was at work. To notice that God was doing something significant and they needed to override some of the things that they were feeling. How do we know that? When God was doing his greatest work, they were sleeping. In verse 40, the Lord says to Peter, and he puts it in, a, in the plural, so we know we're speaking. He's looking at Peter, but he's speaking to all of them. He said, could you not stay dialed in for an hour? You need to be careful. Your intentions, he knows their hearts are right. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knows that they didn't do that on purpose. He, didn't, he knows that they weren't doing that because they were bailing out on him. He knows that the, the real spiritual matter was they were just tired. I mean, sometimes it's not anything really majorly spiritual. It's just tired, right? Hungry. It's just stuff. And Jesus just wanted them to realize you got to watch out for that stuff. Your spirit is willing. Yeah, you might want to do the right things, but there are things that are going to go against that, and you've got to be paying attention. God is working, and he says you've got to be paying attention because there are things that are going to pull you away from noticing that. Isn't that a good word to us? We might want to do the right things, but we've got to be sure to perk up and pay attention. If we're not careful, the desires of this world will grab us, won't they? It's possible. I could be on a mission trip going to serve the Lord, and I get hungry. And I say, you know what? I'm not getting on that plane till I get me a Mickey D's hamburger. And I might miss the plane, Right? Or or God might want to do something at at the check-in line. And so I've got to watch that. I've got to check that. I've got to be careful. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. The scene plays out a couple more times. Jesus struggling alone in prayer. The disciples, I imagine, when he comes back, (laughs) oh, yeah, Lord, we're awake. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Lord, we're awake. I mean, they were tired. He wakes them up. They go back to sleep. Think about the Lord for just a minute. Aren't you glad he's not dependent on me and you? Aren't you glad God's plan moving forward is not dependent on whether I'm awake? Aren't you thankful for his patience and continuing to call out to us and seeking to draw us out of that pull of the flesh? God knows there is so much that pulls us away from him. He knows that many of you here today, you want to do the right thing, but he knows there's other things that just constantly pull against you. Aren't you glad he's so different than you and me? Listen. What's the difference? What's the comparison? What's the contrast here? Jesus is changing eternity 
And the disciples are thinking, hey guys, you want to get a quick nap? That's the difference between God and us, isn't it? Many times we miss God's Word. I think about that movie, The Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know how many of you have seen that movie, but my kids just got the DVD. And, and I love the scene where the children are coming into, I guess it's Narnia, and the rest of creation is standing around. And when human beings come into to that area, when God's special creation, us people, come in, the rest of creation kind of is in awe. And I just got a sense for how special we are to God. God created us special and unique in His own image. And here's this sense from the rest of creation of, wow, look at the human beings. And they're little kids with their fingers in their ear. They may as well have just been skipping through town. I mean, they just didn't have a clue. We're special. And they could have just as well picked up a rock and thrown this. I mean, it's just a silliness about them as children. Sometimes we're just way off of where God is, aren't we? God is working on eternity and we're looking for a hamburger. We're looking to get a quick nap. We don't always notice what God is doing. Does that challenge you today? God, you're working. You're always working. And sometimes you can be doing something significant, and I wouldn't even notice. But number three, eventually the opportunities pass us by. Verses 45 through 46. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. I'm so grateful that God waits for me. I'm so grateful that He gives me one, two, three opportunities that though He's not obligated to, He gives me many, many opportunities to join Him in what He's doing. But can I share something with you? God sees the bigger picture. He has a plan that can include us, but it is not bound by us. At some point, God is going to do what God planned to do. He's either going to do it with me or He's going to do it without me. And unfortunately, many times the opportunities pass me by. Jesus now says to them in verse 45, and it's either a question or a statement. If it's a question, He says, like the New American Standard, are you still sleeping? If He says it that way, you sense the disappointment that He has for them? He wanted them to be more alert. He wanted them to be more attentive. He wanted them to be tuned in, and he finds them sleeping. Or it's a statement. He could be saying, keep on sleeping. If he says it that way, there's almost a sense of resignation about it, isn't it? a finality about it. All right, guys, you missed it. <laughs> I, there was an opportunity for you to be a part of something significant that you've chosen to miss out. Either way, the opportunity was over. He indicates to them that now it was time for God's plan to move forward. Whether they were going to pay attention or not, God was moving forward the plan. He uses the word, if you look in the New Testament, pay attention when you see the word behold. What God's saying is look. He's saying pay attention to this. And he's saying, guys, I've told you several times, but now look. The hour is at hand. It's drawn near. The time is now. Get up. Let us be going. There's no more. Hey, no, Lord, we'll try to shrug off the sleep. No, behold, look. Time has come. It's time to move forward. Eventually, the opportunity to join the Father in His work is gone. Some of us right now are taking opportunities lightly, aren't we? Some of us know that God is speaking to us about things. You know what we would say? We'd say, God, if I could have only been there when Jesus lived, there is no way I'd have gone to sleep in that garden. I cannot believe the gall of those disciples. Didn't they not realize what was happening? And yet here we are today. And I believe there's a sense in which 
you know, people say, I wish I lived back in Jesus' day. Well, you are living in Jesus' day. He's alive and he's working. And now his spirit works in our hearts. So we may have less excuse than they did. We have even more. He's not just walking around us, but he's living in us. There's really no difference in them not paying attention, not responding to what God was trying to say to them while he was there physically in their presence. There's no difference in me today. God's speaking to my heart. This is just as significant today when God speaks to us. Many of us are not being opportunistic. That's what I like to call my son, Drew. He's opportunistic. The boy is sharp. He likes to go upstairs. And he waits. See, we have a lot of doors of opportunity in our house. And one of the things, probably, that if you've checked all of our verbiage throughout the day, the thing we probably say most is, did you close the door? You want to know why? Because Drew, here's our front room, here's our den. He can be on the other side of the den with his back turned towards the door, yet he hears the telltale sign of the door open. He doesn't give you the impression that he's heard it. And so you think sometimes, maybe I could leave it open. As soon as you turn around, the boy's gone. <laughs> I mean, he is in the door, going up the steps. He's always looking. I guarantee you, he knows the sound of that door. And when it happens, he's ready to go. Why aren't we more like that with God? Why, don't we, why aren't we that attentive to him? Why aren't we that tuned into him? Why, does it, why doesn't it mean that much to him? Why do we put him off so much? Now listen, I want to give you some encouragement today. Aren't you glad that God's work in and through your life is not dependent on you? Aren't you glad that we try to open the door real quick so Drew won't hear it? God keeps making the squeak so we'll hear it, won't he? He's real patient with us. He's real kind with us. He's real compassionate long-suffering with us. But in the sense of of our responsibility to hear his voice and to respond to him. Would you hear the challenge today? Are you in a position today? Are you that attentive to God that when he opens the door of opportunity, man, you're ready for it. You're ready to go just as soon as he's ready. Let me give you a very real example. This week, many people are going to be thinking about God when they haven't been thinking about him before. Now, here's the caution that we have as Christians. You, if you're walking with God, if you're in a relationship with Him, you're walking with Him hopefully every week. You're, you're hopefully walking with Him every day. Hopefully you're growing to the point where you're hoping on a moment by moment that, you, that you're having a relationship with Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with Him. But some people will be attentive to Him this week who will not be attentive the rest of the year. So we're, if we're not careful as Christians, we can just think it's some old regular week, can't we? And we can miss opportunities. This week, God is going to open some doors of opportunity because of this time of year. Just as real as Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to die on the cross for our sins, and the disciples did not perk up and pick up on it. How different is that? And I don't mean to take away from the tragedy of that event, but this is what he gave his life for. He gave his life for the people that you and I will run into this week. Just as real as his disciples needing to be attentive to that, His disciples today need to be attentive to the fact that he is working in this world. He's going to open some doors of opportunity this week for you and I to walk through and to share the good news about what he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, about what he did on that cross, about what he did by rising again. It is no different. God is calling us to perk up and to get ready. God is calling us from our sleep 
from our slumber. So many of us as Christians, God is over waking us up and saying, why are you sleeping? Wake up, watch, and pray. And by the way, let me just bring up there, I think it's an important point. I believe many of us, I know in my own personal life, many times the reason I'm not perked up and paying attention is because I haven't spent that time with the Lord. I want to challenge you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to ask God to help you to find a way that every day you can spend some time with God. I believe one of the most significant things that a person can ever do is decide, I am going to spend time with God every day on a regular basis. I believe that's the consistent factor in people. As I've watched people and I've seen God use people, the consistent factor in their life is that they're people committed to meet with God every day. Many times, I miss the doors of opportunity because I'm not tuned into the Lord. I don't hear His voice. I'm not spending that time with Him. I didn't get up with Him that day and ask Him what His orders were for the day. And many times I miss those opportunities. If God has called you to be His child, Christian, would you make a commitment? God, I want to spend that time with you. I want to be tuned into you. I don't want to be like the disciples. Did you hear what He said to them? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It could be very simple. The disciples just wanted to sleep. For you, the challenge might just be, I can't get up on time. <laughs> it might just be a matter of sleeping too late. Does God want to speak to your heart in a real practical way? Just go to bed a little earlier. Get the sleep that you need so you can wake up and spend the time with Him. It could be something very simple. The Spirit is willing. I want to do it, God, but the flesh is weak. What are your challenges that are keeping you from being sensitive to God's voice in your life? If you're not a Christian today, I can't think of a better thing to do with your life around the, Christ, around the Easter season than to respond to the message that it represents. 2,000 years ago, the point of the story is, 2,000 years ago, Jesus loved you enough that He came into your world. That He took upon His back all your burdens, all your pains, all your struggles, all your failures, all your sins, your weaknesses, your frailties, whatever it might be, all the things you intended to do wrong, all the things that you did wrong but you didn't mean to do wrong, all those things wrapped up, Jesus took all that upon Himself. He died upon that cross. He rose again victorious, saying that He could defeat what would destroy you. And many of you know that it's going to destroy you, don't you? You know right now you're trying to carry a load that you can't carry by yourself. And He's saying you don't have to. The cross tells us that God is at work in our world. And He wants to meet the greatest need we have, to have our sins removed, and to have a personal relationship with God today. Don't wait till Easter even. Today is Resurrection Day. Today you can know Christ is your Savior. That can happen very simply. You just say, Dear Lord God, I believe. I believe that you did this for me. I believe that Christ died for my sins, that He was buried, that He rose again victorious over my sins, and right now I want to trust Him as my personal Savior. My friend, can I share something with you? Eventually, the opportunity will pass by. There will come a day when the opportunities will be over. I thank God. You know, uh, the situation that happened with my uncle and his family last week, people ask this question, why? Why do things like that happen? <clears throat> well, I want to encourage you to be very careful about answering the why question because anything sounds pretty shallow this side of eternity. But as I back up from that, and as I look at what God's Word says, can I tell you one of the reasons why God allows this messed up world to continue? The Bible seems to indicate 
But God is patient towards all the mess in this world because He knows there are still more who will respond to Him. If today He said enough, nobody else is going to be injured, nobody else is going to be hurt, then He would judge sin. And if He judged sin, then all of those who've never received His forgiveness would be judged as well. He's willing to put up with the problems and the difficulties that you and I face. He's promised to give us the grace and strength to go through them, but He's willing to put up with them because you, if you have not received Christ, are that important to Him. Don't let it go any further. Why don't you go ahead and receive Him today? That is the passion and the heart that our God has for you. But one day, He's going to say, okay, that's enough. We're going to call this to the end. We're going to make all the wrongs right. We're going to settle this story. And then it's going to be too late. 